On today's show, I'm bringing in a pinch hitter, bullpen, coming out of the bullpen, I guess. Either way, you're hitting or you're pitching. It's Ryland Styles Locked on Thunder. We're going to talk about Luka Doncic, Kristaps Porzingis, all the new stuff with the Mavs, get his takes on all those guys. And we have to talk about Thunder legend Moses Brown. We'll get into that and more and talk about his Thunder coming up in today's Locked on Mavs. I'm Luka Doncic, and this is Locked on Mavericks Welcome, you are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Engstead, media member and coordinator for the Locked On Podcast Network. And joining me for the second time, maybe third time, Ryland Styles, maybe first time caller, long time listener. What you got for me, Ryland? <laughs> second and a half time, why not? I'm, I'm doing go. good. Glad to be here. I cannot wait to spread some Moses Brown propaganda. <laughs> we will, of course. Start your week with the latest NBA news and game recaps on Locked On NBA. Josh Lloyd, host of the number one fantasy basketball podcast in the world, Locked On Fantasy Basketball, takes you around the NBA's major headlines with the help of local experts just like Ryland and myself. Follow the Locked On NBA podcast today wherever you get your podcast. All right, so let's start with Moses Brown. Let's go Let's go ahead and do it because it's been sort of a conversation around, around Mavs Twitter, around Mavs Reddit, basically anywhere People are talking about Mavs online. Moses Brown has been kind of the most interesting new guy. Reggie Reggie Bullock is probably the best new guy the Mavericks have brought in. But I wouldn't say that he's the most interesting, right? Because he's going to come in. Reggie Bullock's going to come in, shoot some threes, play some defense on the perimeter. That's cool. You need that. But it's it's not exciting. It's not sexy, right? Like, there's not something that super interesting. Moses Brown... As, as soon as the, the story came out that that the Mavs were having him work out with Tyson Chandler and all that kind of stuff and just seeing the 2020 games that he had in the past and all that, Moses Brown became an interesting player, an, an interesting addition for the Dallas Mavericks. Give me, your, give me your thoughts, your take on Moses Brown having actually watched multiple games of him with the Thunder and like watching a season of him you know, actually put up these 2020 games, but then the games where he did not put anything close to 2020 up. <laughs> Some would say watch too much Moses Brown last year, but he's obviously <laughs> the most interesting because he's 21 years old and he's seven, two, and he's just this weird uh, player that, that you don't really aren't too familiar with. I mean, last year was his second team on a two way deal started in Portland then in Oklahoma city. The thunder loved to convert two way contracts. As you saw with Moses Brown, not even to keep them just to say that they did it. So they can keep their streak alive of just converting two way deals. <laughs> so they trade him away in that Al Horford Kimba swap that resulted in nothing. Uh, Moses Brown. And I hate to, preference this because i think that it it's stupid to do it because that would then entail that everyone else is not these things but he's a great guy he works really hard he's a pleasure to talk to in the media he, he's just an awesome person for the basketball aspect of it though i don't think don't that, say though don't say though come on no we don't need to <laughs> throw the butt in there <laughs> i i don't think that moses brown is what the mavericks fans that i see on twitter anyway are expecting him to be He's a nice backup big. And in fact, to kind of give it in mass perspective, I've often said on Locked on Thunder podcast that if whenever we thought Moses Brown would last on the team on his converted to a deal, that this guy's going to be Bobon. Like he's going to be a, a mismatched guy that you play off the end of your bench. Whenever the Thunder got good, he was going to be somebody that was a wrinkle, not somebody that's like the basis of your rotation, not somebody that's a starter for sure. Cause that whenever he was starting for the Thunder, Thunder fans thought, oh, this is our center of the future. Hold on a second. No, he's not. This is a guy that can present 
matchup nightmares and can be a little more versatile than Boban because he's kind of more agile and mobile than Boban. But he is just a gimmicky wrinkle that you have at your disposal now if you're Jason Kidd. It helps Jason Kidd a lot in certain matchups, and especially in the playoffs. I think that he's a, a big uh, that could stay on the floor a little bit at his size, but obviously it's not a great playoff player by any means. That's kind of the more interesting thing with him. I think that in Moses Brown's favor, though, he put up those big rebounding numbers, which a lot of it was just his sheer size, which can't take that away from it. That's why he's in the NBA 7-2. It wasn't necessarily him being this great guy on the box out, great guy down low fighting for positioning. I think that Tyson Chandler and the Mavericks can help him get better at positioning, and that will go a long way with him being 7-2. What you really should love if you're a Mavericks fan, and if you want to have that optimism, because look, if you cannot be optimistic on September 20th, then I don't know when you can be optimistic <laughs> in basketball. So if you want that little taste of optimism, whenever he was a role man, he was really good. He did not play with SGA that much because his minutes became whenever SGA got hurt. Luca can set anyone up. And Moses Brown, if you if you feed it to him and spoofing it to him, he's really good. He's 7-2. I mean, he should be good. He can catch the ball. And so I think that there's a way where Moses Brown looks great in Dallas because of Luka Doncic and not necessarily because of his skill set. Uh, you worry about defense, though, because now you've got what I would consider two uh, defenders on the court, mo- mainly being Moses Brown, who is not a quality defender, especially if you can draw him out, which is very easy to do against the Thunder last year. I'm not sure how easy it'll be to do against the Mavericks this year, but he's not a good defender really at any level defensively. Now, Tyson Chandler helps that, and he is 21 years old, and really – I would consider him a second-year player, not a third-year player, because he did not play much with Portland. So all those things help Moses Brown's case for being worth the flyer. Yeah, so you mentioned a lot of things there. We'll, we'll break it down. He played with Shea Gilders-Alexander 78 minutes. Like, the most amount of minutes he played with another player last year was with Teo Maladon. So I would say <laughs> Teo Maladon to Luka Doncic is a big improvement in terms of point guard center. So if there is going to be some some Moses Brown-Luka minutes, then that's something we should definitely look for uh, that, that could be a, a huge bump for him. Uh, I would say probably even Jalen Brunson minutes in Moses Brown would be better than than Teo Maladon. And then uh, Ty Jerome was the next point guard they played the most minutes with. But y- you mentioned a couple things there. You said it's, he's going to be gimmicky. He could be Boban. What's holding him back from being like an everyday type center? Is it just the defense? That is a very big one that he, that he threw out there that was kind of like, hey, yeah, he sucks at defense, right? Like, uh, is it just the defense? Is it is it something else? He you know, excels as a role guy, but is it just the defense that holds him back from being like an everyday center? I think that it's mainly the defense because if he if he adds defense, he can be a Nerlens Noel type of player that does not eat hot dogs at halftime. God, so just adding awesome. a whole side of the ball is probably not a good place to be starting yeah, with a player, right? Like, hey, hey, if only he can just become good at this one thing that's fundamental for that position now in today's NBA. And he also can't stretch the floor at all, like at all. Not even if he's at the three point oh, line, yeah. you're in you're at the restricted area, so that hurts you a lot. I will say. While he's not a bruising screener that would just wipe out a player the way that Adams would with Beverly in that playoff game against the Rockets, <laughs> he does always, we talked about positioning with rebounding was a negative for him a little bit. He's always in great positioning on the pick and roll. He will at least hit somebody. And whenever Luca's your guy handling the ball, if you get your body on somebody and create even that much separation for Luca, it's an automatic bucket almost for Dallas, either with Luca shooting or with him dumping it off to the roll man, which would be Moses Brown. So his offense might turn into such a great uh, trait that with Luca, you can play him even with his bad defense. I will say it's not just the youth. He showed some flashes defensively to where maybe 
uh, with a better system, maybe with better defenders around him. Because look, last year, it was not just SGA that was out. Lou Dort missed a ton of games uh, last year as well. Your best defender and really your only good defender last year. The encouraging sign was that he did make progress last year defensively. He was a different defender than he was at UCLA. Still not good, but a different one in a good, positive way. But everyone took a step forward under Mark defensively. Mark was incredible at getting these guys yeah, to, progress, coach the Thunder. to progress on the defensive end. Is Jason Kidd and his staff going to do that same thing? And he takes another leap. I will say that the mobility factor for him shows he could do it if he puts in the work, and it sounds like he's putting in the work. So he could look totally different this year. But if I was going to tell Mouse Trans what to, what to expect, it would be a nice complimentary piece that can, in certain matchups, exploit something like you saw whenever Rick went to the two bigs against the Clippers. He can be that type of player long-term for you where he's quality against certain looks. And, and with Luca, though, it can really improve his stock offensively and open up the floor for Luca because of his ability to just always, always, always get his body on somebody else's in those pick-and-roll opportunities. I'm curious if Moses Brown looks better on defense with the Mavericks than he would with the Thunder because there are times last year where the Mavs would insert Willie Colley Stein into the lineup and all of a sudden you're like, oh, wow, some like somebody that's long that can block shots and get to, you know, the, these like loose balls and things like that and contest shots and it's just automatically he kind of just popped off the page even though he wasn't doing that anything that amazing but just because of the length and the ability just the the way that it was different than Boban different than than Dwight Powell different than Maxi right like you know quicker than than Chris Porzingis laterally and all that kind of stuff uh, I wonder if if Moses will take a step and then yeah we don't know what Jason Kidd's going to be like. What's his scheme defensively? We don't know what his, even his scheme offensively, but we don't definitely don't know what his scheme defensively is going to be. Is he going to do something similar to what he did in Milwaukee when they were, were, were you know, blitzing a lot and they were trying to figure out how to, uh, you know, just like stop the ball handler all the time in Milwaukee. If they try something like that, it, it, it phased out really quickly in Milwaukee and just ended up crashing and burning. But maybe try something again like that. Like that now. Coming up, we'll talk more about, uh, maybe not so much more about Moses Brown, the rest of the Mavs. We'll start looking at Jason Kidd. We'll start, We'll talk about Chris Porzingis. We'll get into that. And then we'll talk about the Oklahoma City Thunder. But before we do, let me tell you about Sweatblock. Sweatblock is the best way for you to get your life back if you struggle with profusive sweating. There is so much, uh, there's so much, that happens on a day-to-day basis for you to have to worry about sweating through your shirt is just not something that you should have to worry about. So get Sweatblock, doctor created, doctor recommended, works for up to seven days per use to dry shirt guarantee. If Sweatblock doesn't help keep you dry, you get your money back. It is currently the number one, Ryland, the number one antiperspirant product on Amazon. That That is kind of amazing to me. Think about all the stuff that there is on Amazon. The number one antiperspirant product you can get it on Amazon, but if you use our promo code Locked On, you can get it 20% off at sweatblock.com. Again, promo code Locked On. You get 20% off at sweatblock.com. Get the wipes, get the deodorant, all that kind of stuff. Check it out, sweatblock.com. Also, want to tell you about a new sponsor of the podcast. Sleeper Fantasy. In 2018, the fantasy sports experts at Sleeper realized that fantasy basketball was broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games this week. That makes no sense at all. You have to make it an even playing field. Basically, the third, like per 36 minutes of, of fantasy, basically. 
uh, and it required very little strategy for you to just pick the, all right, this this guy played four games, this guy played three games, then boom, all of a sudden that team's going to win. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball. It's called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. It's their thing. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week for each starter to count towards their team's score goal. <laughs> Man, that's a lot of of power in your hands, ensuring that an even number of games played between opponents. So go check out Sleeper. It's their one-of-a-kind game pick. It's the most strategic fantasy basketball experience in the industry. Sleeper, crack the fantasy basketball code. If you love playing fantasy basketball or fantasy football, if you prefer building a weekly strategy versus the daily busy work, you're going to love game picks. Download the Sleeper app and get started with a league with your friends today. You will not be disappointed. Sleeper Fantasy. All right, Ryland, let's get into some more stuff. All right, where are you, where are you feeling on Luca? A lot of people have, um, and if you guys don't know, uh, Ryland is a is a closeted or closeted Mavs fan, or just or kind of out there Mavs fan. Pretty open now, that we're, Mavs fan. We're in similar situations where I grew up. I was a massive Lakers fan. I was born in Los Angeles, and then moved and started covering the Mavericks because I, I went to school in Dallas. And so then, obviously, you know, by proxy, you become a Mavs fan. So the same way for you and the Thunder, but. But you love the, the Mavs. Where are you at with Luca? Everybody thinks he's, you know, he's all the sports book think that he is the MVP favorite. They have him listed there. He's coming into another season. Everybody's like, all right, he's just going to take another step forward. He's like top five in the league right now. How high are you on Luca right now? And where do you think it goes this year? As far as awards, I think that that's kind of gimmicky. Like, I don't really know how to describe if he'll win the MVP because are the voters going to keep Giannis out again? Or is his clock now restarted where Giannis can win it too? Like who knows what the voters are thinking with that? Yeah. Does and Giannis think, get like extra bonus points because he won the finals MVP, right? Like he comes into yeah, this like, league. What are the like, voters doing with Giannis? Season. What, yeah, what are we right. doing with Giannis? Like, is he in or out of the conversation, even though he's like always should be in with his play. I think there's also a, a way and a pathway for Luca to struggle out of the gate because it's a brand new system. And, I'm not sure what lineups you're going to play with Luca that benefit him. I mean, we, if Moses Brown's one of our top guys, we're like, oh yeah, that offense could look good with Moses Brown and Luca. <laughs> I'm not sure where the offense is at at that point, to where maybe it takes him a little bit to get into kind of his groove. But I think just pure talent level, he's the best player in the NBA. I think that he's great and is awesome. And I can't believe that the Mavericks got him. I remember listening to the reaction pods whenever they pulled off that impossible <laughs> trade that I I was hoping to get to record one this year whenever the Thunder got picked oh, six, and, but felt, they could not trade up. And uh, I think he's the best player in the NBA, though. And I think that he will be for a long, 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 long time. And whenever you have the best player in the NBA, you have a chance to win a title every single year because the league is driven by two or three guys on each roster. Yeah, skill-wise, it's it's sort of hard. Like, you hear that, and you say, okay, he's the best player in the NBA, like the best, you know, skill-wise in the NBA. And you're like, okay, well, what about Giannis and, and Durant and all that? And you're like, well, does Durant really, like, does Durant really become an offensive engine all, all, all in himself? He can become the most dangerous weapon. Like I say, as, as an offensive weapon, I think Durant is more dangerous and, and better than Luka, right? Obviously, obviously better shooter. He can get a shot off from anywhere, but he can get his shot off from anywhere. Luka adds the element of... I'm going to set everybody up and basically I'm going to become just such an incredible mismatch for everybody and find out where that mismatch is for my entire team that I can just exploit it. A la, you know, what LeBron does or what, you know, James Harden did for a long time. And I just think that, yeah, I think I'm, I think I might be with you. And then with, with Giannis, it's like, okay, we well also adds the defensive element and that's what makes him, you know, such an incredible player. But if you're just looking at, you know, the offensive end, if you're just looking at, you know, skill wise for your team, man, it's so wild. What is he? 22. He's about to be 23. Luka Doncic, best player in the NBA. It's insane that we got here. 
Yeah, and, and I mean, as somebody who got to watch KD grow up and become the player that he yeah, is, right. this is the exact same feeling that you should have about Luka, that what we felt back in 2008 and 9 and 10. I mean, this is a guy that's going to take you to the finals sooner than later, and he's going to eventually uh, be regarded widely as the best player in the NBA. I mean, they tried to crown Kevin Durant after going to the finals one time. Like, that's how good he was. I think that... I think that as the media and as like just the narrative shapers, people have to wait to see it in the playoffs whenever in reality, what did Luca do last year to lose that first round series? I mean, it wasn't really his fault that they lost. So why are we waiting on wins and losses whenever we can see with our eyes who the most talented player is? That's just where I stand on it. But I do understand that like we're still waiting on counting rings and doing this or that. I mean, I I didn't get to watch Michael Jordan, so I'm not going to comment on the Michael Jordan, LeBron thing, but if the only thing oh, holding yeah. you back is rings, then that, that to me, that's a silly way to look at, at the metrics of who's the best ever player. So that, that's why I'm comfortable right now saying Luke is the best player, even though he's not had that team success uh, of getting to the next round, even much less in NBA finals. It took Kawhi Leonard having like quite literally the, the playoff game of his life <laughs> in, that, in that game, in that game six, score 45 points uh, to win that game six. And then, and then in game seven, he also had to have an incredible game as well just to beat Luka and whatever Luka had. And Kawhi had a much better team on paper, like just a much better team overall. He had Paul George. He had those wings. He had a more veteran team as the oldest team. Like we cannot forget that. I think now we look back, we're like, ah, oh, the first round exit again for the Mavericks. Like that, I don't know if that first round exit can be, you know, talked about and can be considered on the same level as a first round exit like in the East, right? <laughs> like a first round exit for the Knicks. You know what I mean? It's just not the same. It's just not even the same category, same class. Kristaps uh, Porzingis. Let's just do a couple of the big topics here. How do you fe- how are you feeling about Kristaps Porzingis? Should the Mavericks be looking to trade him? Are you are you like drinking the Kool Aid with the? I don't have my cup, but I'm just gonna drink an invisible cup with the. This is his first healthy offseason. Are you drinking the Kool Aid on that? How do you feel about Porzingis going into this year? There's a lot of ways to go about this. I do think you're right that Mavs fans should not look at last year as a first-round exit. To me, there's two different ways to look at a first-round exit. There's the the Thunder way whenever it was you know Kobe knocking them out, and it was a 19-year-old KD, Russ, and Harden, and then the Chesapeake Energy Arena. They're, we're all on our feet applauding them as they just lost game six on their home floor. <laughs> and then there's Russ and Paul George just got embarrassed by the Jazz and then embarrassed again by yeah. the you know Blazers. It was not embarrassing to see the Mavericks lose that series. It was a okay, Luca's coming. And and the thing is, you don't have Russ and Harden. Like it's Luca coming. How can we build out this roster around Luca? Because you it only had you only had one guy, and it took Kawhi, it took Paul George, it took everyone else to stop that one guy on the roster that played worth anything at all. It feels like we've been saying this about KP about oh, it's it's this offseason. Like five off seasons now. It's this off season. <laughs> if, gonna okay, happen. wait. I, it's the I wanna... pandemic pause that's going to happen. It's the next off season going to happen. I do think that this is his first ever full off season, healthy and yada yada yada. But to me, the regular season was not the problem. Like I, I did not look at the regular season and say, "Oh, he's not a good player." It's how he plays in the postseason. It, it's it's what's his role look like that he'll be happy with. He said some weird things at times after games that I'm not sure. It's it seems like he's kind of half pregnant on. Do I want to make a, a scene? Do I want to play the good soldier? What, what do I want to do with my career? I think that it'll be good in the regular season, and then you'll have to brace yourself for the postseason, and you might get hurt again. Who knows? Okay, I want to push back on the. Well, I think I've seen a bunch of people say we've been talking about this is the this is the year for KP for years. All right, he's been with the Mavs for two years. Okay, <laughs> right, like two years. One of those was a shortened. So you look at these games played, and you're like, oh, 57 games played his first year with the Mavs. 
Okay, that was a shortened COVID season, right? So, like, that was the one where the season ended in 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 March or whatever. And then last year, this uh, then this past year was like a shortened COVID season too, with like all kinds of different things and so many different issues. Like, these have not been the two most normal years to be able to assess a guy like this. But now he is healthy and it is real, right? And with with last season for Porzingis, he thought that the season was going to start in March instead of in. December and so he waited to get surgery which maybe he shouldn't have gotten and then all of a sudden he's uh, starting the season late and not in training camp and all that because he's just coming back from surgery and all that so for the people that are saying oh we've been saying this is the year for KP for years like I think this is the first year we can really assess what Kristaps Porzingis is and now they just switched coaches right like it's there's so many factors and variables so I think this is the first year we can really uh, assess who he is as a player. The scheme is going to depend. No, that's going to change a lot of things, I think, for the Mavs. But that'll be really, really interesting to see Chris uh, Osporzingis this year. But you're you don't want to trade him yet. You're like you're like not there as a as a Mavs fan. No, I, I think that I think that you're right. I think that it feels different for fans because it's like you had the offseason between him not playing and then playing for the Mavericks because after the trade he was obviously hurt, and then you had the pandemic pause, which felt like an offseason, and then you have this offseason uh, here currently a little shorter, and then the next one that we're in right now, which is actually a full healthy offseason. But I think that to me, what's his value? I mean, if, if you're going to train for Ben Simmons, so to say, I don't think that Ben Simmons is a better player. I think that you run into probably more flaws in the playoffs with Ben Simmons than you do with KP. Cause if, if KP can hit his shots, it's a, it's a, he's a, he's not the number two guy that you wanted w- with him to be, but if he can just simply hit his shots, he's a great compliment to Luca. And I don't think that Ben Simmons is, I think that ben, I think that Ben Simmons, while he's that secondary creator, he, he does more harm than good with Luca's pairing in the playoffs. So like, who would you trade him for at this point in time? I do think he'll be really good in the regular season. I think that he's just a regular season player that can thrive in that format. And if he's healthy, can do the same thing in the playoffs as well. So I think that there's a chance that you raise his trade value this season at the deadline, maybe go for something, do something crazy. But to me, new coach, new system, you've got Luca locked in. For some reason, that was a big storyline of, like, is he actually going to sign or not this offseason, which I never really believed. I never really understood why. He's locked in, so you've at least got this season to play with. To me, you should feel comfortable if you're a Mavericks fan even taking a step back to take a step forward. If it takes mm-hmm. taking a step back and realizing, all right, this pairing doesn't work. We, we gave him a full offseason. We gave him a new coach, you know, a, a coach that might be cooler to get along with than Rick, but might not. Who knows what, what the relationship is there with Kid and uh, KP versus Rick and KP. Oh, man. It, it, it's, you didn't exactly go to a people pleaser, I don't think, in, in Kid from Rick, but oh. nonetheless, you have This that, whole year is just going to be me and Isaac just trying to sit in the locker room, trying to figure out if everybody if everybody's friends or not. It, it's, <laughs> yeah, and I think that with this season, it's just sad to say because you don't want to waste any years with Luca. Trust me. I, I know. I, I you Ooh, yeah. who would have believed that you know Russ and KD would be gone and KD would go join the Warriors and all that stuff. So I know that things can happen. You never want to waste this opportunity. But you know, this year, you throw your hands up and say, figure it out. And if they can't, the next offseason is that year where you go for it and you just go all in and you do whatever you have to do to build a championship team heading in the next year. And if that's with KP, great. And if it's not, oh well. I mean, at this point, we can no longer waste time starting in next offseason. So this might be a step back yeah. here to get to a better place. But you don't want to do anything rash right now and then sit yourself way back. Because if, if you trade for like Ben Simmons, so to say, and he's still bad in the playoffs next to Luca, well, then who's going to take him in that contract? Like who at yeah, that point, we, you, you fail with Joel yeah. and Luca. What's the star you can play with at that point? 
Yeah, with Ben Simmons, if they brought him in, do you do the, oh, well, he struggled this season. Do we wait for a better matchup next season, right? Like, do we do the whole cycle again with Ben Simmons? No, I'm not for that. All right, coming up, let's move on for the Mavs. Let's talk about the Thunder because I'm going to start a series this week where I've been asking fans which teams are they most interested in hearing about. And a couple of you said the Thunder. So I was like, all right, let's just bring in Rylan and talk about what the Thunder are doing. What are the Thunder doing? We'll talk about that coming up. But before we do, let me tell you about Direct TV Stream. Have you ever had this problem where you just have all your streaming stuff, you have all of your uh, sports highlights, you have everything in just so many different places? Direct TV Stream helps you put it all together and get your TV together. Ryland is is rolling with Direct TV right now. You can get Direct TV Stream no matter where you are. There's no contract. You don't have to worry about all that. It's streaming just like you do with all these other things, but it puts it all together. You can learn more at directtv.com. Again, directtv.com. Get rid of the clutter and the confusion. Get your TV together with Direct TV Stream. Compatible device required. Content varies by package. Also, want to tell you about Theragun. Don't let the stress of daily life weigh on your body, whether it's an elite athlete or someone like us just trying to make it through every single day, sitting in front of our computers, watching sports and judging athletes. Uh, Theragun can help you. Theragun is a handheld percussive therapy device that releases your deepest muscle tension using a scientifically calibrated combo of depth, speed, and power, and it's quiet as an electric toothbrush. You can get a Theragun right now for 30 days to try it, starting at only $199. Go to Theragun, go to therabody.com slash lockdown right now. Get your Gen 4 Theragun today. That's therabody.com slash lockdown. Therabody, therabody.com slash lockdown. My co host on Friday is Adam Mares of Lockdown NBA, swears by this. He told me one time, if I think we were doing a read, and he said, if if I had to choose one item, besides like my kids and whatever, he said, if I had to choose one item to save, if my house was burning and on fire, it would be my Theragun. That was that was the biggest endorsement I've ever heard of a product. I think that this would be the thing that he like, he's got lots of stuff, I'm sure. And he's like, I'm, I'll save my Theragun. Go check it out, therabody.com slash lockdown. All right, Ryland Styles, let's end here talking about the Oklahoma City Thunder. They are... To some, an interesting team. To some, not even a, a thought. I think some people have just, I think most of the general NBA population has just kind of pushed the thunder to the side and said, all right, that's a tanking team. Not going to worry about them. They make a joke about Poku, then they move on, right? It seems like every national podcast, that seems to be the uh, that seems to be the narrative. But what about this Thunder team is, the, is most interesting to you going into the season and should be for fans of another team that may see this team like three times next year? Well, I remember the emergency pod that we had to do after the Ma- after the Mavericks lost to the Thunder last year. I think that I think that it's <laughs> that was sadly- the, maybe the biggest meltdown Mavs fans yeah. had all year. <laughs> How could they lose to this team with the Thunder? It's like, well, you weren't playing you weren't playing Luca and KP. That helps a lot. Yeah, the Thunder, right. who like never rolled over last year. <laughs> I get for better or worse, they wouldn't roll over. I think that interestingly enough, it is Poku. Like, I think that whenever you tune into to mm. a Thunder game, if he plays the way he played the second half of last season, which we expect that he will then fans are going to see like, oh, wait a second. This is not just the, the Zach Lowe joke you, you hear on the Lowe post every single Friday. Or yeah. it's not just the locked in NBA joke you hear every single podcast. Like, he's actually a good NBA player. What can this guy turn into? It's like that shock factor of, oh, he's no longer that 18-year-old in December who was making 10% of his shots. Like, he's actually a talented basketball player at seven feet tall and slouched over. And that even though he looks awkward and wears <laughs> a fanny pack, at least he can play basketball in some capacity. I think that that will shock you. Of course, SGA's brilliance and fashion and Lou Dort's defense will also captivate you. But what is Josh Giddy going to be? I think that why you should watch the Thunder is pretty simple. They're trying to do something that no one's ever done before. And you might as well check it out because the Thunder realize we're in a small market. 
we can't even keep Kevin Durant here. Even after we build a championship team around him every single year, they was a member of the team. So we've got to find a market inefficiency within the NBA. And they think that the, this revolutionary idea is not small ball like the Amori thought, or it's it's not big ball. It's it's everyone can handle the ball. Everyone can play make. We're going to run the length of the floor no matter who gets the rebound. Every single player is like 6'6", 6, 6'8", 6, 6, 6, 6, and they can all handle, they can all pass, they can all play make. Can they shoot? Can they score? Can they defend? Who knows? But they can at least all play make, and they can at least <laughs> all do everything else that goes along with playmaking. And so that's the team that they're building, for better or worse. I mean, SGA, Josh Giddy, Darius Baisley, Poku, your core guys that you've drafted, developed, and you've invested in, they're all that same sort of play style. And so there's no point in reversing course now. It's it's in lines with what Mark's wanted to do. Mark, since day one, has preached that message and it lines with what Sam Presci said. So they think that they, they can be like the money ball of the NBA, where they can find the on-base percentage and they're going to have a new metric of like versatility, uh, a new metric made mm. and born over how they're going to win games. It's not going to look the, the traditional, but sometimes you got to go outside of the box and get these players uh, that help you win quicker. And maybe it won't work, but maybe it will. And then you do turn into the Oakland A's of just how are they winning games? Oh, it's because we just outsmarted everybody. We got we to gotta make sure we specify which Mark we're talking about. There is only one Mark on the Locked On Maps podcast, and that is Mark Cuban. Mark Dagnall, the host, the coach of the Thunder. Cubes. I was going to say, you keep, calling, you keep calling him Mark, and I'm like, man, he's first name basis with a coach and getting our listeners all confused. It's easier <laughs> so, to say Mark Dagnall, so I just say Mark. Uh, that's true. Um, okay, so, yeah, so this, this Josh Giddy, SGA, Poku, Darius Baisley, like they just got a bunch of these long wings. Like they're going to be interesting. Uh, so SGA is probably number one. You, you mentioned Poku already. Is Josh Giddy the next like most interesting young player that has the highest ceiling, or is there another player you think has a higher ceiling potentially than than Giddy? Yeah, ceiling factor. You, you go Poku one because if he hits his tippity top ceiling, he's a seven footer that can score at all three levels and can play help side defense. I mean that and can handle the ball and can play mix. I mean, that's just unheard of if he can actually hit that ceiling. Now, how much of a percentage chance do you give him to hit that ceiling? Probably not very high, but it's still there. And then SGA is just an all-star already. So, like, is, has he already hit his ceiling? Is there still more to get to? What can he approve on when he's almost a 50, 40, 90 guy in year three? And then, so, yeah, Josh Giddy would be three because he'll walk into the NBA with no additional work done, no additional development at 18 years old with an elite trait. Whenever you already have that elite passing, you just are building around one elite trait and not trying to develop one. So that gives you an edge up on everybody else at 18 years old. And he seems like he only cares about cringy TikToks, playing NBA 2K and playing basketball. So it seems like he'll put in the work and we'll see what he can do from there. Yeah. Outside of the cringy TikToks, that sounds very similar to Luca, right? Just only really cares about this. All right. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to throw up the, I'm going to literally throw up. No, I'm going to throw up the, the Thunder's future draft picks on Real GM. They have this really great chart that basically shows which draft picks are coming to which team. And the Thunder one is almost a page long. This has almost become a joke among just NBA Twitter and just people that talk about the NBA. What should I what should I take from this? What's the goal here? What are we trying to do with all these Thunder picks and all the swaps and all this stuff? I think that you should take this year as the year for the draft and then be scared of the future because but this year, the Thunder traded Shingun so they can re- regroup and reboost their uh, treasure trove of draft picks. So they have three picks again in this draft, and they still have all their future picks. So even though they selected Trayman and Josh Giddy, they still have the same picks that they had entering draft night, all by trading Anthony Shingun. Could that be terrible? Maybe. Could it be great? Possibly. And you always take the picks in this scenario. So this year, 
you have an unprotected Clippers pick, which I don't expect to be top five, but I also don't expect to be bottom bottom 25 either with the way that they played last year and now missing Kawhi for the whole season. So that's a juicy pick. Could you see the, the Suns, you know, kind of tailing off a tiny, tiny bit? Now that picks top 12 protected. I don't think that the Suns will tail off so far that they're a top 12 team in the draft, but could they gain you three or four spots from what their pick was last year? Possibly. And then the Thunder, where last year they won a lot of games in that first half with SGA playing, but they also had a terrible net rating, they had a terrible offensive rating, and a terrible defensive rating. So like the metrics said they were a bad basketball <laughs> team, even though they kept winning games somehow. Maybe SGA does that again, but he doesn't have Al Horford anymore. He doesn't have the 13 games of George Hill anymore. And so he's there with Derek Favors and no other proven NBA score. So the Thunder are likely going to be a bottom three team in the NBA. And that's what the race is for. Bottom three, get that 14% chance to get the top overall pick. And if they get a top overall pick and they land Chet or they land Paolo or they land whoever the top guy is in their mind, now you've got the first overall pick. You've got Shea, you've got Dort, you've got Poku, and you've got Giddy. You've got five guys right there that you feel really good about going into the future. Not to mention sweeteners like Ty Jerome and Darius Baisley and Tim Alabon. you got five guys you feel really good can become something in the upper echelon of the NBA. And you've also got 18 first-round picks to trade for Carl Anthony Towns or Bradley Beal or whoever you want to trade for. And Sam has been very bold in trading for stars. Like, like people think this is going to be kind of a Danny Ainge situation. No, he traded for Paul George whenever everyone in their mother thought he was going to immediately go to go to you know, LA. LA. Whenever he not only traded for Paul George, traded Victor Oladipo and Sabonis, who turned into all-stars, and we'll see what Oladipo is now through the injury, for Paul George, and then convinced him to stay and not go play with LeBron James and the <laughs> Lakers. So I think that we I think that we kind of put it too much emphasis on the Thunder losing Kevin Durant. That's a once-in-a-lifetime, like, wow, this guy was just not who he thought he was, and he goes and joins the Warriors. They did convince Paul George to stay and not go to the Lakers and play with LeBron his hometown, the way he wanted to go to. They did convince Russell Westbrook to stay and not go to L.A. And then whenever they failed in the playoffs, sure, it was a it was an ending that everyone wanted. The Thunder wanted it, the players wanted it, and it's no harm, no foul. But they did convince those two guys to stay long-term who were in that upper echelon tier of players and in that almost 1% of the NBA for Paul George and that 1% for Russell Westbrook. So I think that they're going to trade for a star. They're going to give up these draft picks. They just have to simply get their player, get their number one option. If they would have gotten Kid Cunningham this year, that accelerated everything, and you could have traded for whoever you wanted to trade for with all these draft picks. The, the problem is, though, these draft picks are only real currency for current NBA players. As we saw on draft night this past draft, for prospects, you're going to be trading with teams who align with your timeline, and they'd rather have the prospect in hand rather than prospects down the road. If you're trading for a guy like Ben Simmons or Damian Lillard or Kelly Anthony Towns, they just want the, the quantity over the quality, and so you can use those draft picks more in those type of trades. So if the Thunder do have lottery luck this year, they'll have enough picks to go trade for anyone they want to and a handful of sweeteners to get them over the edge. So they're not going to pull a Celtics and Danny Ainge. They're actually going to go get their guy. They just have to have that lottery luck first. You can tell Ryland Styles is not passionate about this Thunder team. He, he doesn't care about them at all. He can't, man. He, like you've been talking about this team for so long, and with all the you know the podcasts and stuff, and you still just are like, all right, wind me up, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go. I'll, I'll give you I'll give you Thunder <laughs> takes. Go listen to Locked On Thunder if you're interested in that. Also check out Locked On Bets. Betting doesn't have to be a guessing game anymore. Go listen to your boy Q and Lee Sterling to get their picks on Locked On Bets wherever you get your podcast. Guys, we will be back tomorrow. Thanks so much for listening to Locked On Maps. Peace out. Oh!